Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between Washington politics and the auto retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode is sponsored by CNA National, the industry's most highly awarded service contract provider. Find out more at AIADA.org. On today's episode of Beltway Talk, we're talking with Audrey LaForest, who reports on Washington, D.C. and the auto industry for Automotive News. She's joining us to discuss her background as a journalist, how she's reporting on the auto industry in 2020, and how the auto industry intersects with Washington, D.C. Welcome to Beltway Talk, Audrey. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I think first, for listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and what you do reporting for Automotive News? Sure. So I graduated college with two degrees, one in journalism and one in apparel design. Initially, my plan was to pursue something in fashion journalism, um, like Kathy Horn or Robin Gavon from The Washington Post. Um, My first job out of college was working for a luxury lifestyle magazine in downtown Detroit. I was there for about three years, and then I did some freelancing for a bit before moving on to becoming the associate editor for two trade publications. So one covering the sheet metal, HVAC industries, and the other in flexible packaging. So that's like plastics and things like that. Um, I joined Crane Communications in 2017 as the automotive and machinery reporter for Plastics News. And I got to travel to Germany and Mexico, which was pretty cool. And then I joined Automotive News this past February before our whole world changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I cover policy, regulation, and sort of anything related to how the federal government and auto industry interact with one another. So what interested you about working in the auto industry or in the journalism space around it? I know you have a lot of diverse experience. So what kind of led you here? Yeah, so I've covered uh, so many industries, especially within manufacturing um, within the past few years. Um, And a lot of them were industries that I knew very little about prior to reporting on them. Like I did not really know very much about sheet metal or HVAC specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, I could say the same for the auto industry in a lot of respects too. I'm not a car enthusiast or a gearhead by any means. But this industry and the automotive business in general is just so dynamic. Um, As a reporter, especially covering auto, you're never bored. (laughs) I was on the job here at Automotive News for a little over a month or so before the whole industry shut down because of a pandemic. (laughs) Um, The auto industry just continues to evolve either through innovation or out of necessity. And so I feel really lucky to be able to cover it, especially during this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It is definitely a uh, dynamic industry. That's for sure. I know you mentioned during our conversations leading up to this podcast that you're still working remotely and you do plan to move to D.C., but it's been put on hold. Um, Do you have anything that you're looking forward to the most about being in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, so I was supposed to be there by June 1st, but as of mid-March, most of us are still working from home. Um, It's an ongoing conversation with my editors, but I'm hoping to get settled in the district once things open up a bit more and I can have more in-person interaction with sources. Um, 
I love cities, so I'm really looking forward to exploring everything that DC has to offer. Hopefully, I'll get to enjoy some warmer winters with less snow than we get here in Michigan. Um, professionally, though, I'm really looking forward to finally meeting all of the people I've talked with or all of the associations, especially yours, that I write about um, nearly every week. Yeah, well, it, I, it will, I'm sure it will be nice to be in person. And I can guarantee you we do have warmer winters than you get in <laughs> Michigan. So I think, we, think we'll have that going for you. Um, <laughs> so having said all of that, I know you're working remotely, but what does a typical workday look like for you, Audrey? I feel like it's such a cliche answer, but there is nothing typical or predictable about my workday. I will have a set schedule or a list of things to do or that I need to accomplish or get done. But if there's breaking news or if some sort of development in a story I've been following comes up, then that schedule goes right out the window. I will say that the one thing I do every morning when I wake up is go to nitsa.gov and I check for vehicle recalls. <laughs> so that's pretty typical. <laughs> that's, the, that's the standard thing. Um, I, I feel like I need to ask this, uh, but what about your job has changed during the COVID pandemic, obviously, other than um, not being able to move to Washington, D.C. yet? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm still in the Detroit area working from my apartment. Um, now my office colleagues are my husband and two cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first few months on the job at Automotive News were supposed to be more of a get to know the beat introduce myself to key sources and associations, let people know I'm moving to DC in June, things like that. Um, but as I said, by mid-March, all of us at Automotive News immediately shifted gears and went into full-on crisis reporting mode. Um, there was just nonstop breaking news, like 24 hours a day for the auto industry alone. Um, it was pretty stressful, but it forced me to also really learn my beat and really get on top of what the auto industry needs from Washington. Um, now that it's been a few months, it's not so intense now as we've all kind of adjusted to a new normal, but there is still a lot of uncertainty about what's next and what does this look like when we're on the other side of the pandemic um, and economic crisis. Um, so there's much more to come, especially given the November election coming up. Yeah, definitely a lot. There's still a lot going on. Um, so since you've been in the job for a few months now, what do you like most about reporting on the, on the auto industry and DC? And compared to your past journalism jobs, what do you think makes this one unique and interesting? So I'm such a type A planner and neat freak in my personal life. So I love that this job can be extremely unpredictable. It has really been interesting to see how the auto industry and government not only push and pull at each other, but also how they work together. Um, I'm about seven months into the job now and still have so much to learn. Um, if you ask me this question seven years from now, I can tell you I'll still be learning because who knows what those years mm -hmm. could bring. Um, I think there's a reason why you see a lot of veteran auto reporters in the DC area because this beat is just so exhilarating and mm -hmm. never boring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's um, a very 
like I said, a very dynamic industry. So I can see how reporting on it would feel the same way. Can you just take a minute, Audrey, and talk to listeners a little bit more about how the auto industry intersects with Washington, D.C., and some of the biggest ways that you see this happening? Yeah, so I'm still learning that myself, but I was actually talking with someone the other day who described it pretty well. Um, They said the auto industry and Washington are intertwined, for better or for worse, and over the years that has turned out to be more of a symbiotic relationship. Um, Some of the big issues where we've seen this play out and that I keep on my radar have been, of course, the rewrite of the fuel economy and tailpipe carbon dioxide emission standards, um, where now you have some automakers finalizing agreements with California to meet tougher standards than what the Trump administration has put out. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also been a lot of legal activity there that I'm not going to get into because it would take too long and it's just, it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But another topic of course would be USMCA or the NAFTA replacement, which took effect July 1st. Um, And all of that occurred while the industry continues to navigate the pandemic. Um, There were quite a few letters sent to the U S trade representative leading up to all this where the auto industry asked for more time to comply and to potentially delay the entry into force until next year, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, And then from the dealer perspective, of course, the push earlier this year from associations um, such as AIADA to get auto sales listed as an essential service during the pandemic. Um, And then going forward, I think as we think about economic recovery, what does the industry need from the government to stay afloat and to recover? Um, We heard a lot about access to liquidity, but will there be a need for something else further down the road? And um, I think consumer demand seems to have proved resilient for new and used vehicles for now, but some are saying that supply has struggled because of the earlier shutdowns. So um, still, still a lot of unknowns out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's an interesting time to be reporting on the industry, that's for sure. Um, And you kind of already addressed this, but could you share some highlights of what you think you've learned while reporting on the auto industry in D.C. to date for the last seven months? (laughs) Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that sticks out to me is that people in Washington really enjoy talking on background or off the Mm -hmm. record, not so much on the record. (laughs) And... (laughs) I guess this is kind of like journalism 101, but I think it's really important in DC. But um, I've also learned that even if people or sources aren't openly talking about something, there is always something going on behind the scenes, whether it's sending a letter to the administration or preparing comments for proposed rulemaking. Um, So in my experience, it's been really crucial to keep the conversation going and to stay on their radar to let them know that like, hey, I'm interested in something that you're doing or that you might be preparing to do. Um, so that's been that's been um, something that I've definitely learned. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And I have one more question for you that I like to ask most of my guests, but um, no pressure. But do you have a dream car? And if so, what is it? <laughs> um, 
So as I mentioned, I'm not the biggest car fanatic. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of an oxymoron that an auto reporter isn't obsessed with automobiles. But um, a couple of years ago, my husband and I bought our first car together. It's a Subaru Crosstrek. It has all weather floor mats. So it's been really great during Michigan winters. And it has some extra safety features. It connects to my iPhone. Um, Always important. And- <laughs> and ever since I was little, I wanted a sunroof or a moonroof in my car, and the Crosstrek has that. So it's I'd consider that pretty close to my dream car right now because it's functional but also pretty cool to like drive around in. <laughs> well, it's true you can never go wrong with a Subaru. Um, I just want to thank you one more time, Audrey, for joining us on Beltway Talk. Is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, no, I think we've covered a lot today, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Thanks once again to Audrey for joining Beltway Talk. For you listeners, feel free to drop us a line and let us know of any topics you'd like to hear about on future podcast episodes. I can be reached with my email, oliverh at aiada.org. And don't forget to check out past episodes of Beltway Talk on the website at beltwaytalk.org. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.